Right, we'll turn to Deuteronomy chapter 3 and we're going to uh, read from about verse 8 to verse 22. It was interesting, uh, this morning I was wondering how the, an email came in and I went to the computer and I get something from a Jewish site every now and again. And it was interesting, the verse that was on top of the site this morning said, Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, how you swore to them by yourself and said to them, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring this whole land of which I spoke to possess forever. Exodus 31. 30. God's promise is still true for his chosen people. The whole land which I spoke to possess forever. Right, let's read from chapter 3 and verse 12. And this land which we possessed at that time from Aror, which is by the river Arnon, and half Mount Gilead, and the cities thereof, have I given unto the Reubenites and to the Gadites. And then there follows a description of the land which were given, which was given to the two tribes, Reuben Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. They had destroyed and defeated Og and uh, king of Bashan and the Siren king of Heshbon and they divided up the land to these two and a half tribes. And verse 18, And I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God hath given you this land to possess it. Ye shall pass over armed before your brethren, the children of Israel, and all that are meet for the war. With your wives and your little ones and your cattle, for I know that ye have much cattle, shall abide in your cities which I have given you. These tribes had decided that they wished to stay on this side of Jordan and not go over the Jordan into the promised land. And Moses had set out various rules and regulations in relation to these two and a half tribes. And in verse 20 he says, You will go and fight with your brethren until the Lord have given rest unto your brethren as well as unto you and until they also possess the land which the Lord your God hath given them beyond Jordan and then shall ye return every man unto his possession which I have given you and I commanded Joshua at that time saying thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto these two kings so shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms whither thou passest 
Thine eyes have seen all that the Lord hath done unto these two kings, so shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms whither thou passest. Ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. What a wonderful uh, charge that was to Joshua. In Numbers 32, if you go back to Numbers 32, we have another description of this particular incident. We must remember when we study Scripture that God places emphasis on certain aspects of an event and shows these aspects perhaps apparent differences between the two descriptions and they appear in different books it does not mean that one may be at odds with the other but that they both together bring out very special and different aspects as to the nature and personality of God as he deals with man So we'll just read a little bit from Numbers chapter 32. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold the place was a place for cattle. Then they mention various other places in verse 4. Even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore said they, If we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession and bring us not over Jordan. Moses said unto the children of Gad, unto the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? Thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. And when they went up unto the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel, that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. The Lord's anger was kindled at the same time, and he sware, saying, Surely none of them that came up out of Egypt from twenty years and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Save Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? They wholly followed the Lord. The Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord were consumed. 
And behold, ye are risen up in your father's stead. An increase of sinful men to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord towards Israel. <coughs> For if ye turn away from after him, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness. And ye shall destroy all this people. And they came near unto him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our cattle, and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel, until we have brought them unto their place, and our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return unto our homes, until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on yonder side Jordan or forward, because our inheritance is fallen to us on this side Jordan eastward. And Moses said unto them, If ye will do this thing, if ye will go armed before the Lord to war, and will go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out his enemies from before him and the land shall be subdued before the Lord then afterward ye shall return and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel and this land shall be your possession before the Lord that was the first time it was mentioned and then as Moses was recording in Deuteronomy all the things that had happened we have it repeated again in Deuteronomy God's plans for Israel had always been that they would inherit the promised land that realization you would have thought would have been indelibly written on the hearts of the whole of the children of Israel especially as they had wandered around the wilderness for 40 years so what happened to Reuben Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh that they wanted to stay that side of Jordan I think they turned their eyes away from the promises of God and started looking at their surroundings when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead that behold the place was a place for cattle Numbers 32 verse 4 it says they said this is a land for cattle and thy servants have cattle they were cattlemen reminded the big cattlemen in Texas they hadn't even seen the promised land they didn't know whether the promised land would be a land for cattle or not. But they thought that the land before them would be good for their material well-being. It's interesting, God is interested in our material well-being as well as our spiritual well-being. And God does provide wonderfully for our material well-beings. But this decision initially seems to have been a very self-centered decision 
verses 8 and 9. Moses could see that they were in fact falling back into the exact same sin that had kept them out of the promised land for 40 years. Thou thus did your fathers and you are doing the same. In verse 6 it was a selfish decision. Moses said do you think you are going to sit here while your brethren go to war? And verse 7 it was a, a decision that was discouraging their brethren. The other is it nine and a half tribes? nine and a half tribes were going to have to go up on their own there was a big percentage of their armed forces were going to be left behind and I suppose as we look at these decisions that the Reuben, Gad and half Manasseh made there are some lessons we can learn here from it we were just saying a minute ago how powerful the Bible is a book which was written thousands of years ago is so relevant today in the 21st century it speaks to us with direction and positive instruction as if it had been written this year there's nothing like the word of God no earthly book can compare with it if you got a book a book written uh, apart from scriptures written at the same time as the book of Deuteronomy it would be a dull lifeless useless book for the 21st century and yet here we have a description in the early books of the Bible which is completely relevant and gives us lessons as to how we should react in various situations So we see here that we must continually keep our eyes upon God. As we go through this world, as they went through the land before they reached the promised land, they should have kept their eyes continually on God. But they had taken their eyes away from God and they started looking at their surroundings. And the surroundings looked pretty good. I was thinking about this and when the disciples went out with the Lord from Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives just before he was uh, taken up into heaven at his ascension when he was taken up we read and they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up they didn't want to miss a thing they kept their eyes on him until he passed into a cloud. We too must continually to look steadfastly up into heaven with our spiritual eyes, with our eyes of faith so that we can follow our Lord Jesus Christ and his commands down here on earth. Another thing it probably teaches us is that the, the love of material things, the Bible tells us the love of money is the root of all evil. <clears throat> and I was thinking of the story of the rich young ruler. 
He came to Jesus and Jesus loved him. We know that he had lived and was living a good life. And then Jesus beholding him in Mark's Gospel 10.21 Jesus loved him and said unto him One thing thou lackest Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast <coughs> and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. We read that the man was very sad went away grieved for he had great possessions that was the that's what the thing that stymied him he had a greater love for material things than he would have had for the Lord Jesus Christ the other thing we can learn from this is that number three we should remember that God has placed us in a family the church and therefore whatever we do affects other members of the family Paul when he's writing in Corinthians he sets this out in, in the well known instance of meat which had been offered to idols sometimes you went out for a meal and if you're with uh, some people the meat that they gave you have been offered to idols and this was something which was uh, difficult for some of the Christians to accept in Corinth and so Paul sets out here what happens if somebody sees you sitting at meat in the idols temple 1 Corinthians 8 10 to 12 if any man see thee which has knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols and through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died but when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience ye sin against Christ what he's saying to them they must remember that your actions affect other people other members of the family of God your brothers and sisters in the Lord remember them when you decide to do something the other thing number four is we should be encouragers and not discouragers these people in verse 7 Moses said and wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel they were causing them to be discouraged and we have to remember one another we have to be encouragers and I was looking at the various one another's in scripture and commands to us as we consider one another Jesus said these things I command you that ye love one another Paul writing in Romans he says be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another 
preferring someone above yourself. Romans 13, Paul again says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Romans 14 verse 13 says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And again in Romans, Paul said a lot about one another. He says, "Receive Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Accept people, accept your brethren, because God has accepted them. We should accept them also. <clears throat> but you know, I suppose the, the worst thing about the two and a half tribes staying on the far side of Jordan was that they, they did this they were happy to accept a portion which was so much less than that which God wanted them to have God had a wonderful plan for them and they were happy to accept something less than that he had promised a divine inheritance and they had shunned it for one which was apparently suitable to their carnal nature and their material needs. They were blinded by these motives. They had taken their eyes away from God. Their portion was already allotted to them by God. But they could not see it with their natural eyes. That was the trouble. They lost faith in God that the land across the river Jordan would be better. Far better than they could ever have imagined. They could not see it by faith. So as far as they were concerned, there was no point in going over the Jordan to accept it. Their kind of attitude was a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Or let us have our cake now rather than pie in the sky later on. No one whose heart is right with God would seek an inheritance in this world. Our inheritance is in heaven. This was the land which they were to pass through. They had asked permission from Og and from Sion to pass through their territory. They were only to pass through this land. But now they were content. To linger. And then to stay. You remember that little poem. The little children's hymn we had a few weeks ago. Wherever you may be. Whatever you may see. That would lead you into evil. Say you nay. I will not turn aside. Whatever may be tied, I'll keep along the middle of the king's highway. The meadows may be green where bypath style is seen. Turn aside, the little flowers seem to say. Be sure you take no heed, they're trying to mislead. Just keep along the middle 
of the king's highway. For on enchanted ground there's danger all around, and a thousand pleasant voices bid you stay. With your fingers stop your ears, and never mind the jeers, just keep along the middle of the king's highway. The king's highway, the king's highway, I'll keep along the middle of the king's highway. I will not turn aside whatever may be tied. I'll keep along the middle of the king's highway. You know, we read in in Jeremiah that God says, I have wonderful plans for you. God had plans for his people. God had plans for his people across the river Jordan. Let us not be happy with second best. Let us not be happy with second best. You know, recently there has been a lot of talk about a man called Jabez. In Second Chronicles, First Chronicles 4, verse 10, we have a little bit shoved in amidst all the names that are in that particular passage in First Chronicles chapter 4. Very much inclined to skip over all these lists of names. Right in the middle of verses 8 and 11, we have two verses about a man called Jabez. Now, Jabez started off life with a great disadvantage. His mother bore him in sorrow. Now whether she had a painful and delivery or whether someone had died in the family at the same time as Jabez was born but he, she called him Jabez and his name meant, meant sorrowful. So every time she called him in for his tea come in little sorrowful she was reminded of something sad. So it was a disadvantage for the little fellow that every time his mother called him in for his tea or for to wake up in the morning, she was reminded of something sad which had happened in her life. But you know, we read a wonderful thing. It says Jabez was more honourable than his brethren. Now just let me say something. Recently there was a book written by a guy called Bruce Wilkinson and it's called the prayer of Jabez and it's completely non-scriptural but it has received a lot of acclamation in various sections but all I will say is keep clear of it God does not make all the promises attached to the prayer of Jabez that Bruce Wilkinson is prepared to say but this has nothing to do with the prayer of Jabez and the book written by that guy. This is just a few comments of my own. Jabez, it says, was more honourable than his brethren. He was an honourable man. And Jabez, it says in verse 10, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, my territory 
and that thine hand might be with me and that thou wouldst keep me from evil that it may not grieve me just a short little prayer he was more honourable than his brethren he was a very honourable man but you know something he wanted his vision to be enlarged he wanted the very best so that he could serve God and he said oh that thou wouldst bless me and enlarge my coast enlarge my vision you know that's what we want to do these people Reuben, Gad and half Manasseh they were quite happy not to have a wider vision of what God really had in store for them they were prepared to accept the status quo to dwell in a land which they were supposedly just to pass through what a difference these tribes were to Moses Moses his heart was in the promised land what a difference to Caleb and Joshua you see Caleb and Joshua had tasted the fruits of what God had prepared for them and they were not going to be put off with any second best oh taste and see that the Lord is good that was their message to Israel at the time before they set off again to spend 40 years in the wilderness they had brought the fruit to back up what they said taste it that's what God will do for us and they were never going to be satisfied with the land on the far side of Jordan we have tasted and seen what God has done for us if we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good can we ever be satisfied with anything less in this world it says blessed is the man that trusteth in him we are so blessed in Christ Jesus and then God has provided for us a wonderful inheritance in 1st Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4 it says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when according to his abund- which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away and is reserved in heaven for us Reuben, Gad and half Manasseh their inheritance was reserved for them in the promised land but they were prepared to stay the far side of Jordan we have wonderful blessings in Christ even now Jesus said that he wanted us to have life in all its fullness here and now a life of inner peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Eternal life now. A life of fellowship with him now. A life indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the Comforter now. Do not settle for anything less down here on earth. And so with with those few thoughts, let us go back to Deuteronomy chapter 3. From where we were in Numbers. An agreement was reached with these tribes. That they would leave their women and children and their cattle and they would pass over into the land and fight with the other tribes and then return as we shall see when the land had been conquered. That happened away if you look at Joshua chapter 22 you'll see that the the fighting was over and they returned but you know that those, those tribes still caused a lot of bother there was a whole misunderstanding. They built a, a structure, a monument, which they thought was um, the others thought was an altar, and all. They, they still caused trouble because they weren't totally committed to what God wanted for them. So read that sometime in Joshua, chapter 22. We look at it, I'm sure, sometime. God showed great mercy to the two and a half tribes that stayed the other side of Jordan God in his mercy and in his grace permitted them to stay and you know he even provided cities of refuge on that side of Jordan for those who were judged incorrectly then we have just a thought many of us you know are content to receive from the Lord Jesus salvation through his blood that we are prepared to accept the fact that we have our sins forgiven but we're not prepared to go on to the greater things which God has provided for us God has provided for our our salvation. God has provided for our everyday needs. But God wants us to receive and recognize the blessings, the present blessings which are in Christ Jesus. And those are typified by the land of Jordan, across Jordan, the promised land. These two and a half tribes did not value this possession which God wanted to give them, which he wanted them to receive. God had blessed them by bringing them back out through the wilderness. God had brought them this far. But they were content to miss out on those wonderful blessings which God would give them in the land across Jordan and then in verses 21 and 22 we have the charge from Moses to his successor 
Joshua. <clears throat> Look what he says. Thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto these two kings. So shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms whither thou passest. Ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. Another translation says, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So the Lord shall do to all the kingdoms into which you are about to cross. Do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. As we remember our Lord's dealing with us in the past, as we remember those dealings, we should be strengthened in our confidence in God as we go forward. From Joshua's point of view, he had seen these giants defeated. The one who had fought for them and given them that victory was the one who was fighting for them and the one who would fight for them in the future. And for us, the one who won that victory over sin and death and the grave is the same Jesus who is our Lord and Saviour today and will be the coming king throughout all eternity. Hebrews 13.8 Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. For the Israelites, they saw what he had done. So what he had done, so will he do in the future. For us, we look back to Calvary. We see what he has done and accomplished for us at Calvary. We see what he is doing today. And we look forward in faith to what he will do in the future. When we shall receive that inheritance which is reserved in heaven for each one of us. Are we under pressure at work? Have we personal problems? Are we nervous about the future? We're not alone. Look at Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 8 to 11. I'm reading from the New American Standard. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life indeed we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead oh they felt they, they, they said We've no faith in ourselves because we feel as if we're dead. But we've great faith in God because God raises the dead. 
who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. You also joining in helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favour bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Oh, God wants us to pray for our brothers and sisters who are going through trials and difficulties and problems. As Paul says, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favour bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Put yourself, your family, your fears, your nervousness into the hands of God, into his hands. Put all into his hands and then what? Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. How often we say that we do this, we go to God in prayer and then we get up and start to worry all over again. Philippians 4 verses 6 to 7 in the Amplified Version. I think this is lovely. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, petition, definite requests, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus may we put that kind of trust and faith in God